Welcome to the Wealthy Money Property Podcast, your ultimate resource to unlocking your inner property guru and building a property investment portfolio. Now, introducing your host for the show. Hi, property magicians. How are you? Welcome to episode 95 of the Property Magicians podcast. So we've got like five more episodes before our centennial episode. 100, wow. our 100th episode. That is so incredible. Um, special. <laughs> right? So you've just joined us. My name is Vangile Makakwa. I am your host for the show. I am the founder of Wealthy Money, and I help women of color heal ancestral money trauma so that they can fall in love with their bank accounts, increase income, and live their best lives. And with me is my incredible co-host. Hi there, property magicians. I am Dr. Miranda. I'm prop doc mom. I am a property mentor for beginners and for busy professionals because we know how it is. We get told about property, but we don't know how to begin, where to begin when we have our busy jobs. So today is our 95th, yeah. And um, apologies for the busyness behind me. I am at a restaurant today. So I help you get from curious about property from fear about property investment to buying your first property. Or if we don't get you to buying your first property to at least shift the myths that surround property investment. So hit me up at PropDocMom on Facebook. On Instagram, I'm Dr. Miranda underscore PropDocMom. And um, my website is PropDocMom.com. That's where you find me. And that's where you find out about the mentorship. We bring you an incredible guest, my homegirl. I discovered on the podcast that I have a homegirl who runs the Brawl Property Management. My gosh, this was a gem of a podcast, hey? Yes. So, guys, we bring you Nkulu Bukhoba. Um, yeah. And she was, <laughs> I hope I pronounced it properly. <laughs> and Bukhoba. Bukhoba. And she was born in Soweto. Um, yeah. She and Mizo apparently went to the same school. Same we found school. out offline. That's <laughs> so special. Yes, yeah, so it's been awesome. So in this podcast, Nguli really, I feel like she shares some really amazing things around commercial property, things that we didn't yeah. know around commercial property investment, investing. And also she shares a lot of uh, things around like how commercial property has changed, management has changed because of COVID and also what happened during the riots in South Africa, South how Africa. that has, like how they had to handle the entire situation. When were the riots in June, July, uh, right. 2021 this year, right? So, um, yeah, just for posterity, because we know this podcast is going to be around for a long time. So you guys must know what we're referring to, which dates. So, yeah, so she's share, she shares a lot of that in this podcast. And what I like most as well in this podcast, we mustn't spoil it for people then, is <laughs> just how mentorship changes the trajectory of a career 
and why it is so important when you do not know and to ask the right questions. That was what informed her career trajectory. So for a young person who's looking at property and thinking, should I become an agent or what, is, what else is there in property? Someone who is listening to this might not have thought commercial property management as a whole career. So you're gonna hear about that and it is an incredible episode. Bring your notebook because she drops a lot of gems. She does. So without further ado, let's move on to Nguli. Welcome, Nguli. Thank you for coming on our podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Evangile. Hi, Miranda. <laughs> Hi there, Nguli. Thanks for coming. Yeah. yeah. I feel quite, uh, I was quite chuffed when you asked me to be interviewed, I must say. Oh, wow. <laughs> that is so nice. So good to hear. Oh, thanks for having me. Oh. Yeah. Mm. So, Guli, please tell us who are you? How do you define yourself as a human being? And also, what do you do? <laughs> so, two totally different. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, Nguli, I often <laughs> say I'm a very, uh, I'm a person with quite a sunny disposition to life, a very, uh, happiness okay. is an inside job kind of girl, uh, mm. a person who's always uh, felt like I am the driver of my life and uh, wherever I want to be, I can be. So I've always grown up knowing that anything is possible and uh, I've never really had limitations uh, to, for myself or felt okay. that I was limited in an environment. So, yeah, so I've always had that kind of sunny outlook on life. And I'm not a, if you say is that last half, half full or half empty, I say, fill it up. Like, what's the problem? You know, <laughs> so I'm that kind of a person. And, uh, but I'm also um, highly intuitive and, um I often say, I think my, my EQ has developed to the level of AQ uh, to the point where, yeah, even in the hardest of times, I can still show up like a duck with my chin up, but I'm busy paddling very hard underneath the water. Underneath. But I have a way of making it <laughs> nice. look like I just glide over life and all of its things you know to the point where mm. it's difficult to imagine okay. that I go through hardships but yeah that's me in a nutshell I was born in Soweto uh, born okay. and bred there and uh, yeah so I don't have homelands to go to I wish I did <laughs> I wish I did too Nkuli <laughs> but what do you do professionally Nkuli and when you say Soweto Soweto is too big to say so yeah. where so it and okay. what what is it that you do um daily mm. okay so in Soweto I come from three townships there uh mm-hmm. to be honest I don't know which part of the two I'm gonna mention I was born in but I grew up the first four years of my life with my grandmother in Dobsonville and uh my parents mm-hmm. first home okay. My parents' first house was in Orlando East. 
So I grew up between the two townships. And then as, as I got a little bit older, we moved to Diplo Phase 3. And that's when I finished high school. So, yeah, so my, my school years were, were in, in Soweto. But I went to boarding school in KZN for, for okay. high school. So, yeah. Oh. So professionally, professionally, what do you do? Um, what do you do daily? And and the, what that's that's what got you onto our podcast. Um, we were so intrigued by 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 what you do. Just tell tell our listeners what you do. Okay, so I am an architect by profession, one who doesn't oh, yeah. practice. Oh. <laughs> and uh, I, I started off my, my career in that fashion. And mm-hmm. um, I am now in real estate. I'm the COO of Brawl okay. Property Management, which is uh, one of the largest Pan-African uh, property yes. management services companies. But also in in that role, I manage Mm -hmm. for listed funds. uh, And we probably manage just over 45% of the market share in in the listed fund environment, as well as unlisted and private client portfolios. So on the daily basis, I manage the spaces that affect people's emotions and uh, pockets and everything about their lives. I do find that space is quite emotive and it affects, we all interact with space every day of our lives. And so people who ask me, oh, but property, it doesn't affect me. I'm like, but every day of your life, it does. So yeah, yes, so that's what I do. My like, gosh, it does. <laughs> and people when I am passionate yeah. about it. Yeah. yeah, people working property. Why would a big commercial space like that be an emotive space, um, Goodly? That's such an intriguing thing to say. A big commercial space, if you're talking about a bank or a mall, yeah. why would it be why would it be such a big emotion emotive space? And Highly emotive because yeah. uh so you're Affected by the four walls, sometimes not four, but the walls around you, uh, yeah. whether subconsciously or consciously, you know, I, mm-hmm. I found, I remember saying to someone specifically, it's, it's running a commercial property is like running a big household. You are just managing all the adults in it like you would uh, your household and the occupants in your house. And yeah. this one is not happy with this color of the wall. This one yeah. is unhappy because of a maintenance issue. This one yeah. is unhappy because things take too long. Uh, and 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 also the location of it. So you will see this. So you yeah. will see the emotive part of property when it comes to a big company making a decision about moving offices. So they were perhaps in town and yeah. now they, they want to migrate to Santon. It's quite a process. The mm. change management that goes with that, you have to go through the information part of gathering. Where do people all come from? Where do they all live? Uh, how, how is it going to affect them to get to Sentin as opposed to getting to the CBD? 
the space that you're going to create, is it open plan? Is it closed offices? If it's open plan and people were used yeah. to closed offices and they felt like they owned the space, now there's an open plan. Now they don't feel like they own the space. Now we are moving into COVID times where yeah. it's open plan, but I had my own desk. Now it's COVID and we haven't been to the offices for so long and companies are thinking to downsize their space and they're thinking it could be hybrid and maybe a shared collaborative space. Oh my God, now I've lost yeah. my desk as well. You know, so it's quite emotive yeah. and people do become, yeah. they own, people do like to own the space that they occupy. And there's a level of ownership that comes with, I, I have know. an office or I have my desk or I have, you know, my own private space where I put my things and my files and nobody touches my desk because there's my child's picture there. We do create ownership of the spaces we occupy at any given point in time. Yeah. Mm, yeah, that's such an interesting thing to say. Yeah. And that's why, uh, if I may say, even the colors that so I use, uh, mm-hmm. in, in our buildings and in our office environments affect people differently. I've had a, an office where we painted a wall yellow and it was because uh, there was a health and safety aspect that went with that and there was a design aspect that went with, with that. And someone said, this color yeah. is giving me a headache. You know, <laughs> I don't like it. Oh. And you have but to make Isn't yellow supposed to make you happy? Exactly, my darling. So I had to go back to the me science like, of it and say, me, actually, it might me, annoy you, but yeah. actually, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and also, so if I may just conclude on this one, if I wrap yeah. it up, uh, in my in my yeah. space as an architect, I often say, when you are given a brief by a corporate company, First thing together is what does the company actually do? What is your line of work? Number two, what are your values as a company? Number three, across all those values and your mission and your everything else, what is at the core and the heart of it all? You know, what is that common thread that it doesn't matter how big you are as a multinational Everybody knows this is what stands out about this company. Give me that one thing. And then once they do, it's so much easier to then make sure that you give them a building that translates all of those elements. When we enter the building, you must have immediately an idea. This company does X. And uh, at the core of this company is, yes, yeah. Wow, you've explained the whole science there. I I see. So when when someone walks into an APSA space, whether you are walking into APSA in Cape Town or wherever, mm-hmm. you need you you need to be walking into the same yeah. feel of the yes. company. Ah, yes. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Wow. This is so awesome. Okay. Yeah, I want to just backtrack a bit, right? So, Nkuli, when you say you also manage funds, you also mentioned something very, very important here. So you manage buildings for commercial spaces, and then you also mentioned Mm -hmm. listed and unlisted funds. Can you please unpack what that is for us? Not, uh, Not all our audience, not all our listeners 
um, financial people were all at different stages of this investment journey. So can you please explain what that is? What is a listed fund? What is an unlisted fund? What do funds do? All that. Okay. So very simply, the listed funds are the, the, the REITs, the real estate uh, trusts wherein you have uh, them listed on the JSE or any stock. But in this case, okay. South African context, they listed on the JSE. And okay. obviously, there's a regulatory framework within which they must operate and all kinds of levels of reporting that needs to happen because they are essentially uh, in the public domain. Uh, so their performance is tracked. Okay. And most of the time when you are investing in your pension or your provident fund on a monthly basis from your salary, this money is going sometimes uh, you know, with a, a real estate asset class across the asset classes where your, your financial manager or financial person would have said, let's put your funds into real estate, into this, into that. So those would be the guys where those kinds of stocks would go. And then the unlisted are the private developers who, you know, a one-man band, and then they form a company, sometimes a trust, and then they establish a portfolio, one building at a time or a number of buildings. And the next thing you know, it's a portfolio of a number of buildings, but they are not listed on the stock exchange and they manage themselves uh, quite privately in that sense. So, yeah, that's what I mean. Absolutely. Very succinctly explained. So now that you've brought um, on that there are several trusts that may own a building. So I just happen to know that Brawl manages one or two. Well, I'm I'm aware of two shopping malls that you manage. How does that become? um, How does that come about? So does it, um, do the trusts, decide is it the individual it's the individual or the let's say the majority uh, holder of of whatever company decides that this is how the how this is how the building is going to come about and when do you as property management company get involved from the time of building or after the building has been has been developed okay so we get involved before the building is developed uh, most of the time. That's the ideal time. Although I must tell you that with the current economic times that we are in, it's no longer really serving us. But in the ideal world, we come in as at the time when the developer has decided this is the site, I'm taking on this site and I want to develop X. Uh, So we have a department within that does market research studies. So they must go and first do a market research to see this development they want to make, which will have a little bit of offices and some retail and whatever else is actually suitable. And it's actually what the market wants, right? So that's where you bring in the market study aspect. Once it's been established, okay, the market definitely wants this retail center to be placed here. Uh, It's a viable thing because 
the market here can afford and the demographics looks good for that kind of development, then you move on to the next phase. The developer is now going to look for funding from the Mm -hmm. banks. Now, before the bank funds them, there is a general rule that says, well, we want to be sure that you can actually secure tenants and we need you to secure at least 65% of the tenants before we give you the money because we don't want to fund you and then you're sitting with an empty building. So then again, the developer then comes to us and say, please help me with the leasing of the space so that I can manage to lease at least 65% of it because when I do that, then I can take it to the bank. The bank can see this is feasible and bankable and then they can bank on me. And then there's also an added layer. Sometimes the banks also go as far as to say, well, we want to know that you will have a reputable management company to manage these tenants and your income Mm -hmm. monthly and your maintenance and the running of this this building or portfolio because uh, we cannot fund you for the building and then you have these tenants, but you don't know how to manage them and you lose all of them. And so our money goes down the drain. So sometimes they even require us to just, uh, you know, write a letter that says, okay, we are going to be the intended property manager for this building when it's done. And then, uh, yeah, then it it helps to bank the the deal. And then the the deal is banked and then the construction carries on and life is good. And after that, we get the contract. And so we carry on the relationship. But that's the ideal. And I'm talking here, in an in an event where it's an a event. development yeah mm. okay wow so now, how has COVID... mm-hmm. pardon sorry Nizo. no i was just saying that is quite an involved process but i can see why funders would require that thank you so much for mm. that so i didn't know any of this by the way so <laughs> Mukuli, I wanted to ask, so how you said like in an ideal world, this is how it would work. How has COVID started to change how you guys work now? um, When do you start getting involved? What is the process like? Have you already started to see shifts or in how this, um, how you are working now because of COVID? Yeah, definitely. Uh, I think the shift started even before COVID because of the economic situation that we find ourselves in in South Africa. So Mm. when the economy is down, we definitely feel it and you can see the trends start to change. So a few years already before COVID, let's say two, three, five years back, uh, really probably as far as five years back, you would start to see the developments, uh, the pipeline will start, this entire scope that I've explained to you, that process starts, but to actually hit the ground and break ground for the developer takes so much longer because the banks are slower in terms of approvals. And then when the, and then we've also seen where a development starts, they break ground and they start and then in between the fund, the funders start to back out for whatever reasons, because usually there's multiple funders and it's not just one. You know, there's the one who's going to give you the senior debt, there's the equity player, there's the mezzanine, 
all kinds of funding structures, right? Uh, and then some start to back out in the process. And then next thing you know, a development is stuck for one month, six months, 12 months, two years. Wow. And so all of that work we, in, we, we invested in on signing up all of your tenants, that 65% I spoke about of tenants that we've signed up, uh, where they were now ready to move in on the 1st of January 2022, as promised. Uh, now in the, the development has stopped for a year and 2022 shifts to 2023. And the next development uh, 10 kilometers away has been funded and things are going smoothly there. Then they're like, okay, well, we're no longer coming to this building. We're going to that one because you're taking too long. Mm. And then you lose the deals. So that also happens. That is a dynamic that is starting to show up. And um, yeah, just, uh, I, I don't want to call it indecisiveness, but CapEx dis decisions are taking that much longer. Uh, one, because of the economic state. Uh, two, like you've mentioned, COVID and that uncertainty, that whole uncertainty about real estate. And three, of course, what that nail that hit the, that, 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 you know, where that nail hit the head of the coffin, whichever way that saying goes, uh, was the riot, the riots that we experienced recently. Wow. Feather uncertainty, yeah. So they created further economic uncertainty. Yes, yes, yeah. So how are you guys responding to this? So I see how the banks are responding by being more risk-averse. Yeah. How are you responding to this as property managers? And how do you how is this affecting your bottom line as property managers? It certainly has affected our bottom line. Let me call it this: it's disruption of off note. This is probably the biggest disruption. I think yeah. COVID is probably the biggest, it's the biggest disruption of our time. Uh, mm. and yeah, and, and this cuts across all the sectors. And then the riots also became something that nobody could have expected, right? So it has mm. certainly shaken us. Uh, we've had to, yeah, every one of us has had to think agile, what do you do, solutions-based, what else can you bring to the table? And, uh, and, and there's a lot that we are having to do to go back to the drawing board and say, is the future of our business always going to be just this? Or do we have to now really start being innovative in terms of what are the service lines we could be offering that, uh, that are, are supplementary to our core function? And that's the direction that we are going now where you want to go full force in those other areas and avenues of of different income streams, because this is quite uncertain. But I must say, even so, you know, the, the real estate sector has still uh, re become resilient over. We know that, uh, you know, the downturns do come, but this, it's quite cyclical. And we are hopeful and optimistic that things will pick up again um, in the very near future. And we are seeing it in the performance of some of our, our funds currently in any case, yeah. 
So it's not all doom and gloom. It's not. Okay. Wow. So okay. powerful. All right. Yeah. So I want you to um, share with us what uh, property managers have done to majorly pivot to respond to either COVID or the economic downturn? What are the big things that, that you have had to do as COO of a property man manager? Can you share one or two examples of, of things that you have done with your big commercial spaces or big commercial clients, I want to say? Sure. So one of the big things is obviously uh, where you we have to play a pivotal role in ensuring yeah. that leases are, are secured, you know, oh my and gosh, tenants yes. get secured for the longer term, even yeah. though things are uncertain. Uh, mm. So you want to go in uh, and with the landlord's mandate, obviously, you go in and you sweeten the deals for the for the tenants you know whether tenants. you reduce mm. and discount your rental but you say okay we are discounting it but we sign you for longer then we know yeah. we have them for longer so that was one of the biggest trends that took place last year especially when we experienced that hard hard mm. lockdown you know um, and then obviously with mm. covid mm. we as the managing agents have had to be even with the riots, we've had to be at the forefront of ensuring that these buildings, um, with COVID, you want to ensure that the buildings are COVID ready and following the regulations with government, with the cleaning, with the hygiene, you know, all of those things that are now high frequent frequency requirements, whereas before the cleaning services would be it, you know, at whatever intervals, now you're having to take those intervals higher, et cetera. And also from a security point of view, managing that people are actually walking around with their masks and there is social distancing adequately, et cetera, et cetera. So last year, more especially when the lockdown uh, regulations were that much harder and more difficult for the public to understand, we had to play that active role of taking ownership and accountability for ensuring that whatever government regulations come out, those are upheld and we are making sure that the public complies with such whenever they come into any of the buildings that we manage. And with the recent riots, it's one can say that, you know, when the riots were at their most volatile, of course, it was difficult for even our own people to get there. But remember, in property management, our people, when I say our people, it's not just the employees that work for me as a COO at Brawl, but it's the entire landscape yeah. of the suppliers that we rely on to make these properties work. And that talks to security, the cleaners, et cetera, et cetera. And yes, we did have, uh, you know, security guys being our ears and eyes on the ground whenever they could get there. And, uh, and they were essentially the first respondents, uh, if I may put it that way, where they are able to contain a situation that could have gone worse, you know. But I must add and stress that at the time of the riots, we were stressing that 
just ensure your own safety first. The buildings, it was, it was wow. that situation was just out of control. But um, some of the examples that came through, uh, which obviously we were learning about as, yeah. as things were developing, were that security guards would be at work right. without their uniform on, and where they see a fire sparking, they would put it out before it becomes a furnace, you know, and wow. uh, or an inferno, if I may put it that way. Oh, yeah. And and there's a lot that was happening behind the scenes just yeah, to ensure that we preserve as much as we can. Yeah. Yeah. And there I was thinking your job was just to secure the client, make sure that the leases are signed. And mm. yeah, no, you've you've brought it, you've brought it home. Yeah. yeah. So the, the commercial property mm. management space is huge then. It's so the cleaners are also managed by yourself. Yes. They, yeah. Oh my gosh, that's everything, huge, right? Everything. So when wow. that fateful week happened. I watched in tears, 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 yeah. tears. Because for me, I could yeah. imagine in a shopping center in a township, uh, there's what, maybe yeah. 30, no, I'm, and I'm being very conservative. Uh, conservative, and I'll yeah. To, uh, I'll say uh, 10, 5 to 10,000 square meter shopping center, let's say 10,000 square meters. You know, yeah. the number yeah. of cleaners who come to work there every day. Yeah. It's no less than, uh, let's say, 15, right? Yeah. yeah. Security guards. Then the people yeah. in the office who actually manage yeah. the relationship with the tenants and the person who answers the phone. So there's at least 30 jobs. Mm. of people who nice. work there every day let alone the people who work in the Nando's the Woolworths, the Truett's the spa, the yeah. veggie shop yeah, the, the hair salon, the printing the shop the barber shop the spaza shop uh, uh, Miranda's nail bar Vangile's uh, yeah. printing and, 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 and internet service all mm. of those that's like a thousand jobs already that people had to watch go down in flames. I cried uh, for so many reasons. That I cried uh, about this bigger picture. Uh, it was it was drastic, dreadful. Mm, and now we are trying to make sure that we bring every single one of those jobs on the, back online. I'll give you an example, and I know I'm I'm diverting a little bit, but oh, there's no, a guy. Yeah, I, I got into an Uber the week after, I think, or that week, I can't recall. I, I went into an Uber and I was talking to the Uber driver and I said, sure, how are things going? He says, you know, this thing is so real. I just took a guy today who lives in Soweto in Midlands because the shop, he works at a shop in one of the shopping centers. That shopping center has been looted to the ground yeah. and he works in one of the shops and he now has witnessed his job go to ruins so he's unemployed yeah. until his employer can rebuild the shop and the shopping center can be rebuilt but he lives in Midlands, works in Dobsonville 
So it's a walking distance for him. He has never taken Uber in his life. This was the first time he called an Uber because now they've run out of bread and all the uh, necessities for the for the week. And he's taking an Uber to go to town in the CBD because there was no affected buildings there to go to town and buy the necessities for his home and ride an Uber back home. And he's doing this with the last money in his pocket because and he cannot look to his employer to do anything because he has just witnessed his own employer losing everything so what does that man say to his family and his children who we all know these children will eat you out of your house they they will (laughs) they do so yeah they do man yeah this is so I, i think this is this is so critical for us to be talking about it yeah. on a property management space because what people don't realize he has downsized from their four bedroom house to a single bedroom house sure mm-hmm. but commercial places have had to do exactly the same thing or worse go mm-hmm. bust totally bust and the job is lost and when you talk about it, that the domestic worker has lost a job, the gardener has yeah. lost a job, it, it, yeah. it seems very menial and little, right? Mm. Yeah. Mm. And then mm. when you bring it home to a big, big scale, uh, yeah, no. And in a country, is, is beyond heartbreaking. Yeah. And yeah. in a country and an economy where one job lost is one too many, one too exactly. many. Exactly. And also, remember- it's yeah. not just one job loss. It's that we are talking, the people that were working at these places are sometimes the breadwinners in the yes. family. So one job loss in South Africa often affects so many people. It's not just one person that is affected yeah. by yeah. the job loss. It's extended family members. It's children. It's cousins. It's aunts. It's yeah. felt by everyone. Yeah. Grandmother, because mm-hmm. we are we are the we are the yeah. upkeep of the grandmothers, isn't it? Mm-hmm. So, Guli, you know, now that you've spoken about shopping malls, so the commercial property managers are they the same people who manage hospitals? You know, I've never asked that question. Who manages <laughs> hospitals? <laughs> uh, yes, they could really be. They haven't. could be. Yeah, they could be. Uh, for hospitals, it's, okay. it's usually a facilities management function where you are managing uh, yeah, more facilities okay. management and you're managing the cleaning services, the security services, and, you know, the landscaping and everything okay. else around securing and ensuring right. the cleanliness and hygiene of a hospital. And also there'd be an operator in a canteen situation where the people must eat from. Yeah, Health and safety course. becomes quite uh heightened issue in, a, in an environment like that uh, and so forth and so forth. Maintenance of your hard services, okay. which is your air conditioning, your electrical, your mechanical, your plumbing systems, and just responding to those, whatever breakdown mm. happens, responding to it as quickly as possible. So it's usually, yes, it's the same pool of uh, professionals uh, from, from the facilities mm-hmm. management. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Wow. Yeah. 
But let me just go back. Is that let me go back to sorry. to the point. So sorry, Miranda. I wanna I wanna lift your spirit a little bit okay. to say that mm. the discussion we had about the job losses, mm. etc., cetera, etc., cetera, the destruction that happens, and and you must recall when when Vangile decides I'm gonna go open a Vangile's nail bar, she usually takes her life's earnings and she's like. Guys, I'm leaving corporate, I'm going into retail, and I'm going to be my own business mm. owner, etc., etc. And then Vangile appoints eight ladies who are going to work there and do the nails and blah, blah, blah. Now that's already mm. nine, nine households, right? And then she's mm. put all her life's earnings into the equipment and the stock, etc., etc. And then this happens. And then Vangile loses everything. Now the banks are on her back because she can't pay her bond, she can't pay her car, blah, blah, blah. But anyway, what's happened now over the past few weeks is that a number of uh, entities are starting to think uh, about how to revive and rebuild and help these uh, these tenants because usually by then Vangile didn't have her insurance in place because COVID has already taken a toll on her on her business, you know. So there's quite a number of initiatives that I'm aware of where they're trying through government intervention to assist those uninsured tenants by mm-hmm. providing funding for them to be able to resuscitate their businesses and bring jobs back online one by one, you know. So there are those efforts that are going on. I must add that they are taking a bit long because they're trying to work them, get their heads around how exactly this is going to work. So I am working with at least two entities that I'm trying to help make sure their funds get to work and turn these businesses around as quickly as possible. But um, yeah, and I hope it turns around before the businesses die, 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 you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. But those interventions are encouraging, yeah. That is very encouraging. Who would have thought a property management company would be the one? (laughs) Yeah, Misa, continue. A property management company would be the one Okay, I think Mizo is um, stuck. Would be the, the one, would be the one, or be part of the companies that are in in, in restoring restoring um, jobs or restoring the economy. That is that is very encouraging. Go ahead, yeah. Ben. Yeah, it is very encouraging. So, Nkuli, I wanted to take it back a bit and just ask, how did you get involved in uh, commercial property management? What has been your journey to getting here? So, my journey started uh, 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. And I, uh, I remember exactly how it started. So, I worked for the architectural firm we were doing phase one of Melrose Arch. I, I, did a, I, did, I was interviewed by a journalist from Drum Magazine then, uh, just intrigued about my, my, my uh, profession as an architect and profiling me as a young architect, a young black female architect. Mm-hmm. And I stood on site and I thought to myself, but 
I don't want to be limited to this. You know, I just didn't know what the options were. And I thought, surely there must be something bigger to this, you know? And I was probably 22 at the time, 23 max, okay? When I then decided, no, man, something else is missing here. I'm always on site and I'm wearing boots and I'm just surrounded by dust. And that's fine. I love my job, but there must be more to this. I want to know what happens beyond the point when we are done with the project as the architects and the people start to occupy these buildings. And then what happens then? Who's going to look after those people? Because I actually love the fusion of the bricks and mortar and the occupiers of these buildings. And I don't know what that job is called or if it even exists, but I love interacting with people and I would like to know if there is a way to be able to interact with the people moving forward because I don't want to think that my job ends when the people occupy the building, right? And so I was lucky already at that time, I had a mentor who actually happened to be an architect who also didn't practice as an architect but was working in real estate, commercial real estate. And I, I went to him and I said, okay, I need to talk to you. I have this idea, and I often say this to my mentees. I say, you may not be able to define exactly what that is, but I want you to tell me, how do you see your life five years from now, 10 years from now? What is it that you will be doing that will be keeping you happy and passionate uh, in your career? So just explain what it is, and then we can drill down to exactly what it's called and then where you need to be to get there. So, yeah, so I painted that picture to him. And he was like, oh, that's easy. There's a myriad of professions you can follow. Facilities management, property management. He mentioned, you know, a a myriad of things, asset management, et cetera, et cetera. I was like, oh, okay, that's fine. I took notes. I said, please define each one of them. Uh, And then he did. And then I made a decision. Uh, The decision then was not property management, but facilities management, because I quite liked the technical side of facilities management. And I always wanted to stay closer to the building fabric and also make my parents not feel like I I left the job that they put me into, (laughs) the career that they put me into. (laughs) You know, I didn't want to feel like it was a total divorce, you know? And And so he defined it. And then we worked our way to identifying the companies and I, he gave me homework. We, we had follow-up meetings and he said, phone, phone, this one, this one, this one. I made a few phone calls. I put my CV out on the market and then I got my first job. I think within the first year of our interaction uh, in, in corporate real estate management okay. with Colliers International at the time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, oh, actually, I lie. Yeah. Actually, oh, I yes. lie. I lie. I lie. Before I went to Collier's, he... You're lying in public. Ah, imagine. (laughs) No, before I went to Collier's, actually, Melrose Arch, because I went and told them, I said, uh, Investec at the time was managing the the precincts. I went to them and I said, guys, this is my CV. I I work in this office with the architects. I don't quite know, but anyway, this is the direction I'd like to go. They held on to my CV uh, for a bit. And then when Melrose Arch was being launched, 
Then they called me and they said, okay, yeah. are you prepared to come and sit at the reception desk? I said, sure thing. Who's in that oh. office? And they said, wow. that's the property manager, the facilities manager, the leasing manager is here. Everybody's here. So, but we want you because there'll be a big interest from the public on this precinct because it's the first of its kind. You know the history of it. You understand the precinct. And so you can take them through what it means, et cetera, et cetera. And I loved that job. So, so I was always conscious that it's a reception job but with a bigger picture in mind. And so I took that on and, um, and there I was able to see exactly what the facilities manager does, the property manager does, the retail leasing person, you know, that whole environment, I could see the different aspects of it very clearly defined and that helped me, yeah. Oh, wow. I love that. Wow. I love that you don't go... Oh, it's a receptionist job. Um, that's Me not too. my thing, you know? Like, yeah. <laughs> I'm so above that. You, yeah. you know, I'm just going to keep pivoting until I figure yes. out what it is that I want. Yeah, exactly. Because, no, but I, I wasn't even so sorry, Miranda. Go ahead, go ahead. So, okay. No, you go ahead. Finish. Okay, okay, thanks. For me, I and you're quite right, Vangile. It is that when I have a bigger picture in mind, which I always actually do, uh, and and this is God's gift, shame, He really has gifted me in that sense. I'm able to say it's a step, it, it might look like a step back to someone else, but I know where it's leading me to. I know, I know how to connect the dots at a very early stage. And I, I, and that, that's what, that was essentially what I was doing even then. Yeah. Mm, that's such a beautiful gift. There's such an important thing because there's a young podcast listener who's listening. How do I get into the commercial property space? Do, does it, is it even lucrative? Do I have to have a special qualification or not? And when you let people know that mentorship is such a critical thing because your mentor can show you the bigger picture, things that you can't see that are way ahead of you and be prepared to start exactly where you're standing and do something yeah. about the direction yeah. that you want to take. That's such, such a, yeah. It's, and it's, be it's open. Like the best thing. Be yeah. yeah, and, and be, be open. open to learning yeah. while you are there. Be humble to learn yeah. uh, while you are there, you know, because mm, that wasn't yeah. my only reception job. I've got a last question. I don't know about Vang. Yeah. 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 So I want to ask, this is my last question. Please mm. share with our listeners the value of networks in the commercial property management space. Is it a big thing? Is it, is it something that one should pay attention to? You know, we talk about property being a relationship space. Does it, say, does it translate the same way in the commercial property management space? Definitely. And uh, I think my, my relationship management and understanding of how critical networking and the networks are um, is, is also partly... Uh, the reason that I think my career has has taken off the way that it has. And as you might know, I was uh, okay. the president of the South African Institute of Black Property Practitioners. And in that, yeah. 
I so developed you, my network. Yeah, I developed my networks even wider, you know, so that helps a great deal to establish those relationships, but you have to nourish them, nurture them, and mm-hmm. make sure that you are able to recognize opportunities out of them over time. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. That is so actually so, so powerful. I think I'm done with my questions as well, uh, Mizo. So I think that I'm full. There's something that has just come up. Nkuli is, 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 is quite modest. So Nkuli, <laughs> now that you're here and you are ex-president of Saibib, are you, are you the immediate ex-president uh, before Vuiswa? Vuiswa was appointed by me as the okay, CEO. Awesome. Yeah. So uh, I was the okay. chairperson of the board, which we say yeah. president or chairperson, whichever way. Yeah. And she was yeah. the executive. So she was the CEO appointed by us. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, actually, so now that you quickly, what is Saibi? How does it fit into the into the property and uh, property investment space? Should should people be paying attention to it, and who should be paying attention to it? Mm-hmm. Great question. Definitely, definitely, people should be. So, Cyber yeah. is an advocacy group that what? is essentially uh, advocating for transformation in the property sector. The property yeah. sector is a pre- is a very white dominated sector, male it and is. pale dominated. And across board, if you look at all the targets of the property sector charter against triple BEE, uh, we are still lagging behind as a as an industry. Yeah. So cyber yeah. plays a very pivotal role in ensuring that the change that we want to see and the transformation of a more inclusive industry is actually fast-tracked. So CYBIP, uh, and as the president, I would I, I take up a seat, uh, past president, but I still have a seat at the Property Sector Charter Council. Uh, okay. So you, as a council, they are the highest um, uh, body in the property industry. And yeah. the members of the council are all the industry stakeholders, and CYBIP is one of them. And I got involved in the work of the technical uh, committee, which is the committee that is responsible for the targets of BEE as we see them. So when you look at the okay. triple BEE scorecard that requires yeah. that the company must do this in as far as management control is concerned, ownership, uh, ESD support, CSI, et cetera, et cetera. And through that piece of work over the years, this is the reason why you started seeing the development of shopping centers in the townships. In the townships. Because we were were trying to fix the problem of people having to leave and travel for long to get to the resources instead of bringing them closer to them. And when a shopping center is built, there's a whole ecosystem of infrastructure investment that also comes with it that assists the communities. We are quite aware that there's work to be done and this is the latest inputs in the latest um, property sector charter requiring that these shopping centers should not just exist there and not have uh, so there is now a, a, a target to ensure that 
Vangi Le can come and take up space in the shopping center. Yeah. Uh, Miranda can come and take up space as a tenant in the shopping center, but also make sure that the shopping centers allow for the communities uh, that exist within them to provide services as well. So that is work in progress, but that is some of the results of the property uh, sector charter and the inputs that are made by Cybib in that space. Yeah. So I love that. I, I really yeah. love that. We we have yet to have Cybip on this on this show. I think they are critical yeah. to the property. Well, you space. have them now. I'm here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 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 I think I think our mind was so focused on one single person. And look yeah. at that, right? We get a double whammy. <laughs> that is so awesome. Yeah. So I wanted to ask what has been um, causing the delay in in transformation within the property sector? Yeah. Oh, my gosh, man. That's such a critical question. A myriad of reasons. I think the first critical one is it's a very capital-intensive uh, investment property is and so access to capital is not something that our people readily have and the yeah. second thing uh, is our government where they have policies but they don't back up their policies with an ecosystem that supports them so I think yeah. overall yeah. Uh, it's not just limited to the property industry but we know we have a government that says SMMEs are critical to our economy, et cetera, et cetera. But seed funding, do you see lying around to make it easy for an SMME to be able to take off and thrive? You know, yeah. so we have bureaucratic systems that stifle them and for them to be able to access funds, for them to be able to get off the ground is also quite stifling. So those are the Absolutely. two uh, major stumbling blocks. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. yeah. And access yeah. to land, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. Access, man. access to land. And access to land is also, uh, you know, most of our land that is owned by government and lying redundant, even when you try and approach them to get it, the, the bureaucracy just gets in the way. You know, so that those yeah. are the major yeah. stumbling blocks. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. I like the, the the one where you say policies exist, but they are not backed up by action and implementation. And when you yeah. go to countries where they pay attention, Singapore, yeah. Rwanda, those countries pay attention to whatever policy they set up. Yeah. When yeah. you yeah. get into yeah. that space, you actually find funding waiting for you, property management waiting for you, education Mm -hmm. waiting for you, even long before you get capital, right? So, yeah, awesome. Man, you've given us some juice there. Thank you so much. Man, I'm cool. We could keep Nkuli here the whole night, right? True. Oh my gosh, you've really made uh, Misa's day, Nkuli. She's been a really pushing for Cyrus to come on here. She's been like, yeah. we need to get them on this podcast. Yeah. So just having yeah. this mini conversation, I know probably is going to make her so happy for the whole week. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it is that jigsaw puzzle, puzzle piece. Nkuli, we are all looking at the same thing, right? This podcast mm. exists exactly for a 
for a side for, for a black um property practitioner property investor so we we, we are all li little links of this puzzle yeah. and I, I really feel when we understand the importance of being that link i will not try yeah. to do advocacy work but mm. our podcast is an advocacy platform so yeah. where else do we do how do we how else do we create a voice for everyone who's doing this work you know yeah so. yeah so yeah so you're quite right but you asked me a question that i realized i didn't answer you asked if i was the immediate past president so i was up until elections took place two weeks ago so there's been a, a new president so i was I was the last president before the president who went out now. So no, I'm no longer. Uh, so I'm two presidents behind now. Okay. okay. And uh, yeah. And because uh, when, when I moved off from being the president of Cybit, that's when I became the vice president of the Black Business Council, which as you know, is oh, another yeah. umbrella body uh, yeah. where the Cybips and all those other professional organizations become members of BBC, which is the umbrella BBC. body, mm. which is the advocacy group for an inclusive for economy across mm. all sectors of business. Yeah. But then again, even there, we just had elections um, in August and I've finished mm. my three-year term with them. But uh, all in all, a very good tenure that we had that put the organization on a good trajectory. And hopefully, you know, um, the right discussions being elevated to the right tables, but one that is still outstanding yeah. that I want to just put forward to you as we, as we close is yeah. what I said about how we put policies in place and then we don't think through the actual ecosystem to make them thrive make and, implement, and implement them. I had a recent engagement in a webinar organized by a client with uh, Mr. Ruth Mayer, who you know is yeah. one of the former uh, NP members, you know, yeah. and original members of the National Party. And I asked him, inequality is the biggest bugbear of our time and in our country. You know, are we even doing enough? I don't, yeah. I'm not convinced we are doing enough. I think we need to see inequality as the biggest pandemic and tackle it in the same way we've created war rooms to tackle COVID. And COVID. the same way we are tracking <laughs> COVID with numbers and stats, and we want herd immunity of X percentage by X amount of time, because that's the only time it will change the trajectory of the pandemic and our economy as such. Such mm. is inequality. Yeah. We need yeah. the same yeah. amount of vigor from all our social partners to see it as the pandemic of our time. And he said, you're actually right. When we yeah. did the constitution, uh, we had a different mandate, not yeah. different, but we had a mandate and we thought we will take care of that mandate and then inequality and socioeconomic issues will then resolve themselves somehow, but they haven't. Yeah. So we have to bring inequality back to the table and okay. tackle it head on. Mm. That's the only way because otherwise the work of the CYBIBs and all the other organizations such as CYBIB and the BBCs of this world, it's, it's too fragmented. We need yeah. the kind of focus we are having right now 
with all the committees that were set up by the president to tackle COVID, we need that kind of vigor and collaboration Mm -hmm. to fix the issue of inequality. Otherwise, it's only a matter of time before we are back to the July scenes again. And that's very, very sad. And it's, it's not an economy you can continue to build on yeah. if you continue to cluster the problem rather than to address it uh, holistically. So I hope we do. And I, I do my bit in my little sphere of influence. And I know you ladies do your bit. So hopefully yeah. all of these dots connect uh, yeah. for the greater good to create a, yeah. a, a more prosperous country for all of us. For all of know? us, yeah. For yeah. all of yeah. us and our kids, yeah. yeah. Oh my goodness, Goody, this has been such yeah. an amazing interview. It took us in all sorts of directions, lots of learnings. I am so yeah. so full. Yeah. Okay, let's move on to the next segment, ladies. On to the next segment of our show: magical feedback from our hosts where our hosts share their three takeaways from today's episode. Hey, so guys, welcome to Magical Feedback. Misa is going to start us off as usual with the three takeaways that she had. So the first takeaway. I have my first takeaway. I like commercial property and I just love the way it works. Look at Look at the life cycle of a property of a property manager in a commercial space. They, unlike in a residential space, they get involved sometimes even before a shopping mall or an office block is developed mm. because they become part of the power team on behalf of the developer. They secure tenants. 60 to 65% sometimes, which is what the developer takes with his application to a to a financier to say, I want to build this office block and I have secured um, tentatively so many tenants that are going to occupy. And imagine if you've got a tenant like Transnet or a Sasol that are going to take five to 10 year leases inside of your building. That's how commercial properties or developments are evaluated by the banks. And that's how they get developed. So you are an agent, but an agent that comes as a package with the development, that is just incredible. I I, I just loved the way she shared, even before a place is developed they already are doing agency work and establishing who's going to tenant that place. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Such a great, great takeaway. So my one thing that I loved was how she said, obviously that you're affected by the four walls that you live, that you are working in. Right. And she says, consciously and unconsciously and she looks at how space affects us emotionally i can't refer directly to the episodes that she uh, where we've covered this just the psychology around buildings and designs and we've had many incredible professionals come and tell us about this so i think it's so so powerful so even here she says they look into that as commercial property managers. They want to 
see how is the how does the building look like in terms of mm-hmm. how much light it brings in the color how far is it from um where you live like can people commute in and out so again yeah. even within yeah. commercial property it's not just within residential property where this is important it's important to look at the layout of the building so once more and my takeaway from that is yep. of course you want to work with your interior uh, designers your engineers your architects to make sure that the space is great to work in because even commercial property managers need a great space to be able to sell absolutely absolutely it does remind us of episode 68 where kalalelo was um Oh, she, she, she described that. That's the episode. It's episode 60. I, 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 I thought that was such an important aspect. Mm-hmm. And when you think about it, when you go from one upside to another upside to another upside, they all look alike. There is a, there's a theme that's carried and in any province. So they carry a theme. And I didn't know that it's deliberately done. You know, that is something that... That is that true. Is not because yeah. I'm just thinking when you walk into a bank, there's a there's a layout with each bank. I'm never yeah. like confused. It's like I know exactly when I enter the bank, the counter is over there. That's what I'm expecting. Yeah. Oh, yeah. this is awesome. And I didn't know it was deliberately um deliberately made to be like that. But there you are. Yeah. We live and learn. We do, in fact. So let me take you to my um, <clears throat> to my feedback number two. Then this one is particularly important for the times. for For someone who's listening to this after 2021, this is after our sec, uh, third wave, third wave, the COVID third wave. That as property managers, as brawl, instead of having those buildings standing empty. Property management has been forced to go beyond just tenanting, collecting the rent and maintaining the bathrooms and the corridors of of an office park or of a shopping mall. They've had to be the ones to go back to the tenants to make sure tenants stay and sweeten the lease deals so that um, the tenants can stay, right? Because Mm -hmm. as property managers, if they fail the landlord by not retaining the tenants, their business also goes under, right? Those rentals are important for the landlord, but they are also important for property managers because their business relies on a percentage of those rentals. And that's what COVID has really, really challenged them as a property management company to do. So commercial space is incredibly important. It's unlike when your agent has tenanted your unit and the tenant moves and she's like, oh, well, the tenant has moved and you've lost your rent. <laughs> yes. I like that. I like very, that. Very yeah. So yeah. I love, and also, I guess, I don't know if I love this, but I think it's so important what, what Nkuli said. She said, COVID has changed the process with banks also, right? So now suddenly banks are slower in terms of approvals. So development stalled. And again, oh, yes. 
the idea that like you need to make sure that before you go to the bank that 65% of the um, building is tenanted. What she said was because of what's happening, then like now you come back a day later, like a year later and everything's been installed a month later and suddenly the tenants have moved to the other building that is now, uh, that has now just been completed. So just being aware, and I think this is so important to be aware of how COVID has started to change the dynamics. And Guli did say, it's not just COVID, it's also, especially in South Africa, it's the nature of our economy as well. So yeah, we have this exactly. high rate of unemployment and economic uncertainty. And so it's creating all these um it's created a lot of uncertainty, which has meant that a lot of real, a lot of property management companies have had to learn how to pivot and create new streams of income, which yeah. I obviously love because I'm all about creating <laughs> multiple streams of income. But honestly, this is so, so important to know that maybe your one stream would come from one, from just property management. And now they've had to find other ways to make money outside of just the traditional ways of making money. Yep, absolutely, absolutely. That is such an incredible uh, uh, takeaway event. And I had I'd forgotten that he had gone through that model. She's so passionate about it as well. Yeah. How, yeah, yeah. And imagine then my third takeaway is, is almost an extension of what you're talking about because of the big riots that we had in, 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 in July, where we further injured our own economy with those riots and the fires and whatever. Mm. That as a property, property management company, how could you have foreseen that you would be part of the rebuilding of a macroeconomy? They sure. are actually responsible for management mm. of the subcontractors making sure that cleaning continues. Yes. Making sure that security companies get back to work because we need to secure whatever is left of the buildings that were bent yeah. down. It is such, such, and I don't think when she studied architecture, she could have known that one day she would be that person um, yeah. in property management that is actually sitting in a task team with the government on how are we all sectors of properties are going to put this together so that we have an economy and we patch it back into, into, into a moving machine. I, I, I really, this is just one incredible podcast that has stretched us beyond property management. We thought we were doing property management only. I, I, I absolutely enjoyed it. Oh, man, I love what you've just said, Mizo, which yeah. leads me to my final takeaway as well, because I think what we're learning from this podcast, just piggybacking off your takeaway, is just the power of how everything in the economy is interconnected. Together. Right? It's hard to see it, especially when we get angry and upset and there's so much inequality in this country often. And I think in most countries, because I feel like we always tend to say, oh, but South Africa is so much inequality. But having lived in many different countries, I feel like most countries are grappling with this. But I think what we saw in this podcast, my takeaway is constantly how everything is interconnected. Without 
the workers, there can be no shop owners, right? Without the shop owners and the banks and all that, commercial property starts to take a slump. And with commercial property taking a slump, that means that the entire economy is then affected. And then we also spoke about how one person losing a job has so many ripple effects in terms of tons of other family members that rely on the person, right? So that also means that schools start to feel it as well because suddenly school fees can't get paid. Then teachers start to feel it. It has such a huge ripple effect. And what I love is that is actually Nkuli also touched on it is that people are like, I'm not into property. What does property have to do with anything, you know? And it's just how property (laughs) is at the center of it. So this is my key takeaway is that you can almost, like I've been thinking about this, that you can almost see the way an economy is going to go by looking at what's happening to its property developments. Is an economy booming? Yes, it's commercial property. Commercial property spaces are packed to the brim. You can find, you can hardly find space. Uh, commercial property spaces going empty. You should start worrying about the economy then because that Absolutely. means that many people are losing their jobs. Um, a lot of the brands that we know are no longer occupying the space. So again, job losses. That means that people are not buying more job losses. So, so powerful. Yeah. That is very powerful. Actually, one of our mentors, or one of our guests, actually, who was here, Neil Peterson, did say at one one master class that I attended, he says, when you see cranes, Mm. when you see a lot of cranes and caterpillars, you had better be paying attention because you need to be buying around there as well. But Mm. when the cranes become quiet and that big development machinery goes quiet you had better know that don't buy move somewhere else go look some for something else or look for an alternative type of property so that is such an incredible way of putting it Guli really gave us all sorts of things uh, property magicians we ended up an hour later still on 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 about everything we fixed all the socioeconomic issues of south africa with her she was such an incredible guest it was awesome yes she really really was so without further ado guys let's move on to the next segment of the show okay now on to the journey to magical expansion where we ask our guests the same five questions we ask every guest. Okay, so guys, we're on journey to magical expansion. And as usual, Misa is going to start us off with her favorite question. This is my favorite question, Ngudi. Um, what, what book changed your life? It can be a business book. It can be a fable. It can be a property-related book. Just what book changed your life, would you say? It's fine to mention more than one if there's more yeah. than one. No, I think, I think it's the power of now. Uh, I often oh, refer wow. to that because yeah. for me, it, you know, so much noise happens in our lives and in yeah. our brains. And we hold so many meetings in our heads, guys. And those <laughs> meetings tell us to stop when you have a brilliant idea. It's not going to work. And so that book really was was 
key for me to recognize that the past is in the past, the future is yet to come, but the now is where you are and focus there. And it and it 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 affects so many areas of my life in the sense that we live in the age of cell phones and how they dictate our lives and people wake up and the first thing they go to is their WhatsApp or, you know, some social media. Just be where you are. My handbags, my phone sits in my handbag very comfortably. I can have a million red dots because I haven't read a million emails or WhatsApps and it doesn't bother me. I'm sorry, you know. Um, I, I do like to be present where I am and be consciously so. So, yeah. Mm. Mm. Yeah. I'm never going to debate that. <laughs> yeah. 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 That is so, so powerful. I love Ekatol. Mm. Yeah. 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 So, my next question, Anguli, is what keeps you inspired? Mm, what keeps me inspired? Jeez, man. Sure, that's a tough one. I, I think I like, a friend of mine said to me the other day, doing good looks good on you. <laughs> and I do like to just do good. Whatever, yeah. whatever. Okay positive impact I can make in small things, in big things. Right. Uh, I'm, I'm consciously always conscious of, of, of doing good, you know? Okay. So, um, yeah. And I think it's also, it takes me back to the first question about the book, The Power of Now. It's about conscious living and mm. just being aware of how your presence in any, in any arena in life uh, has an effect are you going yeah. to make it a positive one or a negative one? And so, yes. yeah. Yes, I love this. Mm. So, and now I'm asking particularly about being in the commercial property uh, management space. What do you wish you had known? Are there any regrets? Do you, do you look and say, gosh, I wish I had done this or done that before embarking on this journey? Uh, no, in general, in, in my yeah. life philosophy, I don't regret because I don't, I don't reckon with failure. Uh, it's yeah. only a failure if I didn't learn anything from it, right? Cool. But for, as mo for the moment that I learned something, then I don't need to regret because herein lies a lesson and I know not to go down that road again or, or if I do, this is how to do it better. But I think that, um, yeah, and therefore it's difficult to even reflect on regrets because I, I, I learned from all of them, so I don't even... I didn't even register them as a regret, right? But it's a very, like I say, it's a tough industry in that I, I indicated that it's a male and pale industry, you know? Yeah. And it's yeah. very, it's dominated in that sense. So as you, as you ascend, uh, it gets colder at the top. And so you need to just make sure you surround yourself with supportive people around you, whether in your personal space or whichever yeah. space, but just just mm -hmm. to keep your sanity. It's tough, but because I I I I hardly ever embark on something unless I intend to win in it, 
Uh, when yeah. I'm in it, I'm in it to win it. So I'm not the one who's going to walk away and and give up. So awesome. I'll get oh, I'll get through it eventually. Yeah, with mm-hmm. the pain that it comes with. Wow. wow, and there's a lot of pain. I'm sure there is a lot of pain along the way but I'm sure sure. and the the bigger the position the bigger the leadership position the bigger the pain you just need big panties yeah yeah (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah. wow so um Kuli what what do you still want to learn about um in property management what do you think you still need to learn especially in this, these changing times of COVID? I need to learn. So this is one thing that I, I still aspire to get to in my career, uh, more financial acumen. So obviously with my background, I told you um, uh, uh, my background is architecture. And uh, yeah, so I need to... to Think like an accountant, I think. Yeah, just add that. And then I, I, I think I'll, I'll be more well-rounded. Very, very interesting. Amazing. Think like an accountant. Yeah. <laughs> so, could you tell, tell me, is there any um, um, resource, a book, a YouTube, a podcast that you would like another young um person to listen to who is interested in the commercial property management space is there any I think, <laughs> yeah i think the book is the mystery of capital and it's not uh with respect to commercial property it's just yeah. with respect to property ownership period and it's about getting started in your own micro environment uh by owning property period, you know, and understanding the power that comes with property ownership. So, yeah, The Mystery of Capital by Hernando de Soto. And in fact, a friend gifted me this when I was telling them that the power of capital lies in owning property. And I hadn't read this book. And I said, and I gave all the examples of how it just changes the rest of your life's trajectory. And they were like, oh, my gosh, you are thinking like this author who wrote this book I must give it to you and so yeah and that's how I got the book gifted yeah but I think it's a great resource yeah oh wow that is interesting that's I am with you she, she wants to be seen by you ladies hey Bushe. Oh, she is so cute. It's so gorgeous <laughs> she must enjoy the holiday you're so lucky Bushe. Mm. 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 Yeah, she, you can see she feels like he, her entire face yes. is one of joy like like yeah. <laughs> but thank you so much so oh Ben please ask you a question yeah so uh, Guli what was your intention on uh, for mm. saying yes today what were you what are you hoping this podcast will do and you can say anything I'm hoping that someone will want to get into property management and is looking for a mentor or you wanted to make the nation aware of certain things so Mm -hmm. what was your intention and how do people get hold of you 
So my intention, hey, bush, hey, bush, my intention is to get more bushes interested in property. I want to make property fashionable. I want yeah. property ownership in whatever form, um, it, you know, because for me, this is the, yeah. the biggest kept secret, this sector. And I often refer to the numbers that say 70% of the world's wealth lies in property, right? So mm -hmm. why do you want to participate in the 30% when there's 70% of the pie? So in whatever size or capacity in your private capacity or in a, in a commercial capacity, in your career capacity, why would you not want to partake in the 70% of this pie, you know? And so I hope to encourage uh, more people like me, black people, young people with zero exposure to understand that this is a sector filled with opportunities and it's open to every single one of us. But also in as far as property ownership is concerned to encourage as many, as many as possible to just start with your own primary property ownership. And it doesn't matter what age you are. I was 23 when I bought my first. And I must tell you, it set me off to a great financial uh, start in my life. So I want to encourage them in that direction. And uh, if I go back to the CYBIP discussion, when I got into CYBIP, we didn't have a student chapter. When I left CYBIP, we've got a student chapter with six universities and over a thousand members and so many young and budding uh, black property uh, studies graduates that have come through the system. So it's very, very exciting times ahead. Oh my goodness. That wow. is amazing. That's amazing. And people that, sorry, Lisa, sorry to interrupt. And people that are interested in learning more about this, how do they get hold of you? We've got quite a lot of young listeners in their 20s who are starting off on property and have been using this as a resource to start property investing. So how do they get hold of you? <laughs> they can get hold of me via LinkedIn and Gulibukhopa on LinkedIn. Okay. Uh, I'm not very active on Facebook. I do have an account, but I don't go to Facebook. I just don't understand how Facebook works. It's too busy. Yeah, it's too busy a town. I can't. I actually call it a township. I can't. I, I struggle with, with Facebook. It's a very big township. I can't. Uh, so LinkedIn works very well for me. And um, yeah, so I think on, on LinkedIn is perfect. And also, I must say that the number of professions or careers available to you in the property sector are not just for property studies graduates. It is if you have studied marketing, we have marketing teams for the various properties that we manage. Uh, every single shopping center needs to be marketed and be uh, and have a brand presence in its community, et cetera, et cetera. So there's a, there's a place for that. Uh, if you studied law, there's a place for you in conveyancing. There's a place for you in, in commercial property because do you know how many times we are dealing with contracts and leases 
and uh, incidents and insurance or anything like that. Uh, if you're an accountant, we work with those people all the time. They are doing the numbers and ensuring that these properties are viable and financially uh, uh, cash flows are, are viable, etc. So there's so many career options uh, that one can go into engineers and all kinds. Uh, so it's not just one way to enter the sector. And that is what makes it so interesting and versatile. Mm. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, that's a gem. But thank yeah. you so much, Generosity, for coming on a Thursday before a holiday. Most people mm -hmm. are off somewhere. This has been an incredible, incredible interview. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I am delighted to have met you both. And uh, I'm completely inspired by the two of you. I love what you do. And yep. please keep doing the great work that you do. And uh, I'm glad I could be here as well, like all the other people I've been seeing on your TV, I call it. <laughs> <laughs> thank you thank you so much Nguli. this was incredible and thank you Mizo thank you money magicians property magicians thank you for listening in this was awesome we'll be back again next week with an incredible guest thanks Ben thanks ladies enjoy the weekend Thank you for listening, Property Magicians. My name is Vangile Makwakwa, and I am your host on the show. I help people heal their ancestral money stories so that they can fall in love with their bank accounts, become financially free, and live their best lives. So if you would love to increase your income, or you'd love to pay off your debts and increase your savings, contact me. You can contact me on the Wealthy Money website at wealthy-money.com. Again, wealthy-money.com. Or you can email me at vangile at wealthy-money.com. Again, vangile at wealthy-money.com. Find me on Facebook on the Wealthy Money group or on the Wealthy Money page or find me on Twitter and Instagram as vangile makwakwa. Now over to my co-host. Thank you for listening. I am Dr. Miranda Prop Doc, Doc Mum on all the social media platforms on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. I'm the host of Property Magicians Podcast and I'm a property mentor. I mentor newbie property investors to help them to begin and to take action. Your journey into property investment begins with me from property registration, from property company registration to picking the correct strategy that suits where you are at. Find me on my inbox at Miranda at wealthy-money.com. Again, inbox me at Miranda at wealthy-money.com if you want me to help you start your property journey.